0: For Thursday, September 16th, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands?, we're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, vaccine mandates like the ones President Biden announced earlier this month have a long history in the U.S.
1: While some say vaccine mandates are un-American, in fact, they're quintessentially American.
0: Lawrence Gostin, who leads the Global Health Law Program at Georgetown Law, joins me to dive into that history and what it means for vaccine requirements today. That's next. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause. And rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. President Biden's recently announced vaccine mandates stand on solid legal ground, argues Lawrence Gostin, who directs the O'Neill Institute for National and Global Health Law at Georgetown Law. He says there's a long history of vaccine mandates in the U.S., and he's with me now to look at that history and how it brings us to where we are today. Lawrence, thanks for talking with me. Sure. I want to start by kind of looking at the history here When was it that we first started to see any kind of vaccine mandate here in the U.S.? And and do we know how that was received at the time?
1: We've had vaccine mandates uh, in the United States virtually um, since the scientific concept of vaccines was first promoted by Edward Jenner. And so by the late 1800s, um, we were already seeing vaccine mandates in the United States. And by 1905, the United States Supreme Court actually upheld the constitutionality of a vaccine mandate. The early vaccine mandates were principally of for smallpox because that was really the first operational vaccine and it was also a scourge um, throughout the United States and the world. And since that time, you know, we've had vaccine mandates um, in a whole variety of settings. But the most important one is uh, school mandates. We've had school mandates in the United States for well over a half a century, so that every child who wants to go to school in America has to take a series of childhood vaccines. The uh, Supreme Court in 1944 upheld Vaccine mandates uh, for uh, school entry, and so we're we've got a situation where, while some say vaccine mandates are un-American, in fact, they're quintessentially American.
0: And I want to go back to this case that you referred to in the early 1900s. This was a case that I believe played out in the state of Massachusetts. Can you tell me what actually happened there?
1: Yes, the city of Cambridge in Massachusetts required all Cambridge residents uh, to be vaccinated for smallpox. Jacobson um, complained against that brought a lawsuit. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the court upheld the municipal and state police powers, as we call them, um, which are kind of plenary public health powers, and said that vaccines are fully within the power of the state to mandate. And that um, so long as um, needed medical exemptions were granted, cities and states throughout America um, had the power um, to uh, require vaccinations. And that case, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, has been upheld by federal courts many, many hundreds of times since then.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's common to think of these kinds of big landmark decisions and really how they have been interpreted over over time. So this kind of initial assertion in Jacobson versus Massachusetts has proved pretty durable.
1: It's very durable. I mean, I, you know, I would say that Jacobson versus Massachusetts is one of the major super precedents of the Supreme Court. It's been followed countless times by all kinds and manner of of, uh, judicial rulings um, in the federal government and indeed in the state courts. And there's no more durable Supreme Court ruling. um, And it's become now simply black letter law that states have broad powers to make requirements for the public's health, vaccines included, but also quarantines and other public health measures um, that the courts have continually upheld. And the Jacobson court also said that judges should be deferential to the decisions of public health agencies on vaccine mandates.
0: And you mentioned another case uh, later on involving vaccination requirements for schools. Go into that one for me, if you could.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, more than a half a century uh, the United States has required a whole series of vaccines as a condition of school entry. Um, you can't go into a classroom unless you've had these vaccines. And that, of course, was challenged in the Supreme Court. The courts upheld it um, as they would under the Jacobson ruling. Um, and ever since, you know, literally every state in the Union, 50 states, require a whole series of childhood vaccinations as a condition of going to school. That's worked extraordinarily well to uh, increase our childhood vaccination rates against things like measles, mumps, and rubella, and uh, chicken pox, and other kinds of childhood ailments. So much so that you know most of these childhood diseases are eliminated. You know, parents forget um, that their kids used to suffer from these horrible childhood conditions, and we don't see them anymore because of the scientific miracle of vaccines. CDC called um, vaccinations the greatest achievement of the 20th century.
0: We live in a time now where there are um, certain kinds of exemptions, and these differ really from state to state to vaccine requirements. How did exemptions come about?
1: First of all, the the medical exemptions uh, came about in 1905 with Jacobson, where the Supreme Court required legitimate medical exemptions. But I should stress that medical exemptions are vanishingly rare the overwhelming majority of people can safely get a vaccine, you know, and even immunocompromised people who may not mount a robust immune response, they can still get the vaccine safely and they don't get a medical exemption. It's only if you've had a vaccine and you've had a really bad allergic reaction, for example, Uh, and that's very rare. Religious exemptions are kind of part of American history, because we're a very religious country. We respect religious beliefs. And so as a result, um, most states in the United States have religious exemptions for childhood vaccination mandates. But the important thing to stress here is is that um, states are not required to give religious exemptions. And in fact, Several states have no religious or philosophical exemption at all. Uh, States like Mississippi, West Virginia, and California, and New York. And the courts have always upheld that. So while states are free to give a religious exemption, they're not required to. The other thing I want to point out is, is that I'm quite suspicious of religious exemptions. I'm not suspicious of religion. I'm a very firm advocate of the freedom of religion. The very first value of religion, and particularly the Christian religion, but also Jewish and Muslim and all religions, is the value of life and vaccines save lives. And so I think that if we do give religious exemptions, and I'm not sure we should, we should make them very narrow and not easy to get. This is Did You Wash
0: Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with global health law scholar Lawrence Gostin about vaccine mandates, past and present. We had the president recently announce a number of mandates for vaccination, and it seems like he's pulling a few different levers here to potentially make this argument that people should follow these. I think the one that listeners probably have heard about is this requirement that businesses with more than 100 people either uh, mandate vaccination or regular testing. And it seems like President Biden is going to be using the law that created OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Have we seen any kind of move like that before using that particular mechanism to mandate a health requirement? First thing, we
1: should clear up some very common misconceptions. President Biden does not have the power to issue a general population vaccine mandate. And the cases we've been talking about, like Jacobson versus Massachusetts, many people say that that gives Biden the power to do what he's doing. It does not. Those cases applied purely and solely to cities and states. They're the ones that have the primary public health powers under the Constitution. But Biden has cleverly used a number of legal tools, discrete legal tools, um, that put him on rock-solid legal ground in relation to his mandates. The one you mentioned just now, which is the most controversial one, um, is the requirement to uh, for employers to mandate vaccines um, for all of their workforce, or uh, have a testing regime, a weekly testing regime, and that's for all employers that employ a hundred or more people. That the Republican Party and many Republican officials um, have argued that you know this is an overreach; that it's authoritarian. But the truth is, is it's not, not at all um, an overreach. In fact, the president is at the very height of his powers here because he's not acting unilaterally, he's acting with the explicit and direct authorization of the Congress of the United States who enacted the Occupational Safety and Health Act in 1970 precisely because states had a patchwork of weak worker safety laws and it gave the president the power through the department of labor to create national uniform standards for worker safety and that's exactly what biden has done um, with his vaccine mandate it's entirely lawful
0: i've seen comparisons to say osha regulating other kinds of safety practices in the workplace. Are those fair kind of analogies, you know, saying OSHA says I have to wear steel-toed boots, you know, for for example, but so OSHA can also say, you know, I have to get a vaccine.
1: Absolutely, they can. Some people have said, well, you know, getting a vaccine is different, but the truth is, is that the risk of getting a potentially deadly infectious disease is at least, if not greater, than the risk of a workplace injury. And so the workplace hazard that that the Delta variant poses fully justifies the president through the Department of Labor to create standards so that the workforce is vaccinated, frequently tested and safe. And the vast majority of employees want to have confidence that their workplace is safe as it can be. And that requires a large number of people being vaccinated.
0: You mentioned, um, you know, a lot of the case law here deals with states and localities and, and their ability to put public health rules in place. We've seen a number of states try to ban localities from doing specific mandates, say mask mandates, vaccine mandates. Is there any legal precedent backing up those kinds
1: of moves? No, you know, I've I've worked in, in public health for over 30 years, and I've seen many instances where states fail to take important and decisive action for public health, but I've never seen a state actually affirmatively block cities and schools and businesses from taking necessary action to keep their um, constituents safe. It's, in my mind, a complete breach of the public trust for an elected official to take an affirmative step that actually makes it impossible to require a vaccine or to require somebody to wear a mask. And those laws are pretty much legal, though. But the beauty of the Biden order is, is that it overrides these state laws because federal rules preempt state laws. And so these laws might just melt away, at least in the workplace.
0: We've seen threats from uh, leaders of a number of states, including here in Georgia, these are mainly Republicans, saying that they will challenge some of Biden's mandates in court. Do you have a sense that any of these legal challenges to these mandates are, are going to be successful? And, and are there some uh, that might be more successful than others?
1: Well, you know, Biden had two additional things apart from the large business mandate. One was requiring it of the entire federal workforce. It's absolutely um, entitled to do that. Um, he's the head of a federal workforce; he can create health and safety conditions for federal workers the same way that any business could do it for their workers. Um, and the courts have upheld these kinds of things before. Um, Biden's already required masks uh, in indoor um, federal buildings, so uh, he's on he's on solid ground there. Um, as for as far as hospitals are concerned in all healthcare settings, Biden's using something the Supreme Court has upheld, which is basically conditional spending. So healthcare facilities, they have a choice. They can either take um, federal Medicaid dollars or Medicare dollars and, and require vaccines, or they can refuse that assistance and not require the vaccines. But I think so long as the amount of money that Biden is withholding is not overwhelming and, in effect, coercive, courts will uphold it. And on the business mandates, that's where most of the lawsuits are taking place now. I've explained why I think those lawsuits should fail. But I should say this. It's extraordinarily conservative judiciary. And you can never predict what these judges many of whom were appointed by president trump will do but if they abide by the rule of law they will uphold them and if any judge were to temporarily or permanently block the biden order and micromanage public health decisions they would have the lives of probably thousands if not tens of thousands of people on their hands Um, because we're now in a crisis with the Delta variant, people coming back from work. COVID will spread throughout the workplace. We need everybody to be vaccinated and we don't have time to delay or deliberate. We need to do it now.
0: Lawrence Gostin directs the O'Neill Institute for National and Global Health Law at Georgetown Law. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening.